0: Welcome. I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you for being uh, here this morning at New Hope. Uh, my name's Brandon. I'm the pastor here, and want to say welcome. and And we're in our series 1 Peter. We're uh, we're at the end of the book in our series um, Hope uh, in a Hostile World. And today, today though is uh, it is Palm Sunday. It is uh, it is tr- the triumphal entry. So, in uh, two thousand years ago, right, the Sunday before Easter is when Jesus. When he arrives in Jerusalem, when he shows up and and begins the, the final week. We, it's often referred to as Holy Week or Passion Week. And, and, and every day something happens, and it leads up to two, two things, two events, right? Friday is the cross. That's this Friday. This Friday, it's referred to as Good Friday, not because a good thing happened, but because it is good for us. And so this Friday is Good Friday. We, we at New Hope, we do this every Good Friday, we will have a Good Friday service. So that's this week um, at six p.m. Uh, here in this, in the auditorium. So this Friday, show up. Uh, you can register online. We're asking that people register just just for the sake of of knowing kind of how many people are coming to which service, and so we can prepare. So if you haven't yet and are planning uh, on coming, register. You can go online and register, save your seat uh, for Friday, and then uh, and then Friday, of course. Friday, we remember Friday. We know about Friday because of Sunday. Because on Easter, something happens. I won't give it away, but something incredible happens. And it's Easter Sunday. And so this next Sunday, next week, is Easter. And uh, in here at New Hope, I mean, this is going to be a busy... A busy week, a busy weekend, a big busy easter weekend and and so we 'll have three services uh, our normal services nine and ten thirty uh, and then we 're adding a seven thirty service so for those who want to get get started early or or if you want to you know if you 're able to to make room for kind of the later services because we anticipate having a a whole bunch of guests that week, and um, uh, and especially at this service with uh, with what we have after our after party after uh, after our service, uh, we anticipate a lot of families, a lot of kids, and uh, and so that that tells that leads us to our next like the the next thing on Easter that we have is our biggest, the largest Easter Ben's largest Easter party, and it will be on campus right here, full of eggs and fun and bounce houses. So. If you have kids or grandkids, uh, you can, please, plan on showing up. It's going to be great. It's going to be a blast. Um, I, uh, I heard from uh, Pastor Kirsten, our, our kids pastor, a couple things. She said we already have, I think she said over 70 families registered who aren't a part of New Hope, or who are just community families who are coming to this, like that's on top of our people. That is awesome. That's why we do this, right? We want more people to hear the gospel. So, um, and she also told me, she said, okay, Brandon, here's the deal. I know we keep asking for candy. She goes, we got enough candy. So good job, church, for supplying the kids with candy. She goes, our goal, our goal was to get like two pieces for every egg that they had. She goes, we can probably give them 40. <laughs> That's awesome. Man, if New Hope is good at anything, it's collecting sweets. Man, we're good at it. So well done. And um, uh, so it's gonna be a blast. If you if you don't have your plans yet, I hope that you would you would spend the day, the morning with us and then, uh, join us for, for this Easter party. It's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. Um, so this morning, we're, we're wrapping up this series. We're at the very end of 1 Peter, and we're ending our hope in a hostile world. And, and, uh, and Peter's going to, he's going to switch things up a little bit. And, 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 um, and I mean, you never want to say he saved the best for last, but he, he, he certainly brings up um, this, like at the end of his letter, he, he hits these topics for a reason. And, and, and he's going to talk specifically about, uh, about church and how a church should run and how it should act and, and, uh, and what it should look like. And I want to start by asking you kind of a, honestly, kind of a weird question in church. Uh, it's, it's also personal if you've had any amount of church experience. Um, and, and that is this, what has been your biggest, your greatest letdown in church? Maybe another way to phrase it is: What has been, um, um, what has been the biggest disappointment you've experienced in church, and maybe even in particular in in a church leadership? Have you had a difficult moment or experience um, in your history of church, your experience of church, whatever that looks like, however that looks for you? It's different for all of us. And 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 have you had an experience where you would say, like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. In fact, that like really that that was really hard. It really affected our faith, our, our trust in church, and even our ability to trust pastors. I've talked with people who are like, I have a hard time trusting pastors because of a previous experience I had with a pastor. Man, I get that. I totally get that. Uh, so um, since I asked the question, I- I'll, I'll share first, all right? I experienced, my wife and I, we experienced our, the first church that we started serving at uh, a really, really difficult time We started going there We were in college We weren't yet married And um, and I just started volunteering I uh, Probably like a lot of us I showed up to the church We're like, oh, we really like this church I marked the card, right? Because every church Like, I think it's in Scripture You have to have a connection card So we have connect- So marked the connection card I want to serve in youth ministry You know, got a call the next day great what do you want to do i'm like hey whatever you whatever you want put me to work i would love to help out i got this much time great i'll use all of it so i started volunteering and and uh, um started at like i think like uh, i think i was serving uh just a few just a night or two and then it became like hey do you want to do more and come in during the during the day i'm like yeah sweet so i'm, I'm volunteering 10 hours a week like uh yeah i could do this on top of you know school and all this other stuff and and um uh, and then, and then it was great, it was wonderful, and it was a great church. We loved the church um and then they said, um, "Hey, we have a little money. do you want to be an intern i 'm like, "Oh, I can get paid doing this yeah, um th- it was my mistake i didn 't realize that that meant they now get to control you <laughs> and in a good way it wasn 't bad even then i'm like, yeah i 'll tell yeah sure I mean i don't i 'm not asking for this. I just want to help and 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 so he's like, all right, we 'll pay you ten hours um." and uh and i think i think the going rate i think i made seven dollars and 50 cents i was rolling in it i mean i'm like you guys times that's but here's the deal that's times 10 every week right 70 dollars so i'm i'm loving life and then it becomes hey we have some more time and you want to be the middle school director and and you know that's now 30 hours that's like a real position yeah all right and then i become eventually become like the student ministry's pastor over high school and middle school i'm like overseeing all volunteers and i'm like man so kind of you know just progressed my way through this thing and and it was a church that we loved and a pastor that we that we loved and um and respected and was uh, he was just great his name was carl and and uh, he was uh the guy that was going to help you know do part of our wedding and and then he makes an announcement, and, um, and he, he does something terrible. He decides to follow the Lord's will. It's terrible, right? And God calls him to plant a church, and he says, look, I would be disobedient if we really feel like we're supposed to go plant a church. So he ditches us and plants a church, the selfish little booger. And... <laughs> and uh and and so we our church now has to go through a transition process i mean again it's all good it's like oh man yeah blessing of course you're going to but like man that's a total bummer and and um and so we go through the process and and in, i think it's like 10 months or so we get a new guy a new senior pastor and and you know so it's a it's a good sized church i think it's a church of uh, eight or nine hundred people and so it's like you know it's it's like it's a good it's a good facility and all right and um and then, and then, what happens is within uh, uh, within six to seven months, that church goes from like, man, great, wonderful, to a church split. And what happens is, it became a fight for power, and it became uh, the the pastor, the new pastor, um, uh, pitting himself against uh, the board, the elder board, and it became who's in charge. And it was a fight. And it was, I mean, all kinds of backbiting and behind-the-scenes stuff. And, and, and it all ended, it culminated in this final business meeting. I think I've shared a little bit about this before. I mean, this was like, it's still, you know, burned into my brain as like just a traumatic experience. And it was, it was a three, I, I, and I've said this, I will never do this kind of meeting ever. I won't be a part of it. It was a three-hour open mic meeting. Come share whatever you want, right? Here you go. Stage is yours. To anyone and everyone, and boy, did they show up! I mean, one after another, accusation after accusation, and and, and there's a central aisle in this church, and you know, kind of two sections, and you can almost see like, you know, this side supported the elders, this side supported the pastor, and then it would just be lobbying, complaints, and accusations, and issues, and frustrations, and and yelling, and 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 I remember one point, one guy, just a, a sweet guy, just like, listen, guys, I just want to, I know emotions are high, and uh, I know there's a lot of frustration. But we're just, just remember, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and so let's just love each other. Sit down! We don't want to listen to you! I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy! And, um, and, I, and I remember, you know, my wife and I, and we're like, we are not sharing, we're not talking, I'm just sitting here. You know, at that point, we had, I, think, I think at that point, I had already stepped down because I, we saw the writing on the wall, and we're like, this is not going to go well, and uh, this is not healthy, and, you know, the church that once was is, is now something totally different and that meeting ended that meeting ended this power struggle ended with the entire board in that meeting stepping down and saying we are no longer effective uh, effectively leading as the elder board and beginning next week we're going to be attending a new church and it was literally I mean you could draw in that moment you split and anyone who would like to come with us you can come and it was bam mass exodus and people and then the other side was clapping and we're like great we won kind of deal like what was that? that was my experience in church and that was the first church I served at first church I, I officially got involved at and I remember talking to, with, with another pastor mentor of mine and he says Brandon don't let that jade you to all church leadership because the temptation is to think that's normal or that's, that's like how it, how it goes that's just how it goes and he says, don't lose heart because of poor leadership. Listen, this is, this is gonna, you're gonna have to walk through this and that's, it's gonna, you know, that's gonna, it's gonna mark you. We all have those kinds of experiences, but don't let that ruin church for you. All right. Now, I don't know your church history, your background, your, your story, but I know, and I've talked to some of you, and I know you've had some real difficult church experiences to the point where it's even affected your ability to even attend a church and it's it's just it was a struggle even finding a church or getting involved in church again some people never make it back from those kinds of experiences and here's what i've come to realize more often than not in those types of experiences where it like really really has an effect on you it comes down to healthy leadership and, and healthy leaders, so what happens is if you have a good church experience where you really enjoy and really love and really appreciate, and man, maybe you moved for a job or something or family and and it was hard to leave your church because you loved your church, and it was like, "Man, are we ever going to find this else uh, anywhere else and and for you it 's like it was a great experience, and i 'm going to guess i 'm going to guess it had healthy church leadership a part of part of the experience was man like they just they they love the lord and wanted to serve god and it was all about like how do we help the body and it was this i mean it was just so wonderful i'm also going to guess that if you've had difficult discouraging experiences that you've probably also experienced poor church leadership poor church management poor church decisions and it and it affected you health in the church is extremely important now now listen this, I hope you know this. I hope this goes without saying. No church is perfect. Did you know, did you know that? Like, there's not a church that you can come to that is perfect that has no problems or no issues. The goal isn't to find a church that doesn't have a, a struggle or is perfect. The goal, though, is to find a church that is healthy. No church is perfect, but not every church is healthy. And, and there are churches that are healthier than other churches and likewise other churches that are that are far more unhealthy than other churches not all churches are created equal so to speak not all leadership is equal so how do you know if your church is healthy how do you know Maybe you're showing up for the first time Maybe this is your first week I want to say welcome I'm glad you're here And you're showing up And maybe you're doing the like We're trying to find a church And we're trying to just You know do the experience And we're trying to see Maybe if you have kids Like what's the kids ministry like And youth And, and what do you have for men and women And like okay What do you have going on And all this stuff And you're trying to figure out Alright is this a church That we can kind of like You know take the next step in And here's the deal You are not going to know If this church is healthy day one You, you won't no, nobody goes to a church on Sunday and walks out and says, "I've got it all figured out. I know, I know everything I need to know about them." Right? All right. It takes time, and 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 in some instances, you're like, "Man, I don't know if you you even can't, how can you know if a church is healthy, especially if you have like a traumatic backstory with church." Like you just assume that you know if there's if there is unhealth, it's, they're just covering it up. Like they're just trying to hide it. They're just they just want to cover whatever the, the problems are. So how do you know? How can you know if a church is healthy? Well, Peter's going to end his letter telling us. Here's how you know. Here's what a healthy church looks like. Here's what it feels like. Here's, what, here's, the, here's the motivations behind a healthy church. Here's what we're going to see. Health is determined by action, not intention. Intention. There are plenty, there are plenty of good intentions to go around. Plenty. It's not the intentions of leadership or church that makes them healthy. It's what they actually do. It's the decisions that they make and the actions that they take. Now, now you know this to be true, and in, in, this is true in all areas of life. You know this to be true. Because even, even as a culture, on January 1st, it is all of our intention to get a little bit healthier, Right? Maybe, just this is the year. Gym memberships always go up because our intention is, all right, I'm going to do that diet. I'm going to start the plan. I'm going to do the workout. I'm going to do, I'm going to get accountable. And by the end of the month, by the end of the week, you haven't done a thing. And the intention is there, right? Man, I I really, I really do want to get healthier. I really do want to lose that last five pounds or, you know, whatever. Like, I really do. But that is not enough wanting to be healthier does not make you healthier action does and that is what we hate (laughs) I have to actually run like I can't just buy the treadmill I gotta use it dang it I thought just purchasing it would mean I'm like now part of the health people no you gotta actually do it health is determined by action not intention good intentions aren't enough I'm going to guess even if you have a difficult church experience history there were probably good intentions even in the midst of that it wasn't the intentions that made it good or bad it was actually what happened decisions that were made and it always here's the thing actions and decisions of a church they always have consequences and here's what I've come to realize it always starts with the leadership healthy leadership leads to healthy church more often than not. Unhealthy leadership, oh man, it's just a matter of time. It usually, it, it always starts with leadership and, and you can usually see the kind of church by looking at the leadership. And what do you know? Peter, knowing this, he begins by addressing the leaders of the church. He's gonna have a message specifically for them. So, so this, this does not, what he's gonna say here doesn't apply to everyone in the church, but it does apply to some. And it's, and it's extremely important for those that it applies to that they understand this. Here's what he's going to say. A healthy, ch- a healthy church leader leads from conviction. Leadership always sets the tone of the church. Always. There's no exception. There's no church that exists that is moving in a direction that doesn't have leadership a part of deciding that direction. And it may well be that the leadership decides we don't want to decide, and so we let other people do it. And that is a decision leadership has made, to be passive and to step back and let kind of things happen. That is still a result of leadership. Yet always, leadership always sets the tone, every time. I remember an older mentor of mine would often say and he'd been around church for i mean he's been he's been in church longer than you know i've been alive and and he served on every board every ministry including you know as an elder board member and 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 he would often say brandon here's what i've learned all my life here's what i've learned speed of the leader speed of the team and it all rises and falls on leadership and with good leaders we can do great things and with Poor or mismanaged leaders, man, this thing is like the whole, whole, it affects the whole speed of the team and, and we all slow down. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. He would say it all the time, whether it's just in leadership in the church or in various ministries or even a Bible study or a home group, the speed of the leader, speed of the team. Here's what Peter says. Chapter five, verse one. To the elders among you, now I'm talking specifically, he says, to this group of people. This, this Greek word is a very specific word. It's used throughout the New Testament for this, uh, this role in the church, and it's presbyteros. It's where we get the word presbytery, Presbyterian, right? You, maybe you've, if you've been around church, maybe you've heard this denomination, and, and like, okay, it literally comes from this Greek word, and it's and it is translated as, as elder. To the elders, the presbyteros, or plural presbyteroi, among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also sir, uh, share in the glory to be revealed. He's like, I listen. To those leaders, to the elders in your church, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, as, a, as one of you who also share in the sufferings and I'm also gonna get the glory. And he says this. Here's the message for you. Be shepherds. The Greek word here is another important Greek word. It's poimano. It's the verb form of poimen. Poimen is the word that we have for shepherd or pastor. And so he says, here's what you should do. Ready? You should pastor, shepherd. To the, to the elders, the, presby- the presbyteros, here's what I want you to do. I want you to shepherd. I want you to pastor. Be shepherds. Um, I think ESV and NASB says exercise a shepherd or, or, or a shepherd the flock. It says here, be shepherds of God's flock that are under your care. And then he says this, watching over them. Another, another important Greek word, a very specific one. And it's episcopale. It's the verb form of episkopos, where we get the word episcopalian, right? You probably, maybe again, you've heard of this before too. Another kind of church-like denomination, church structure. And, and he says it here. He says, you should oversee. The ESV says, uh, exercising oversight. So we have these three words interchangeably. It's all used for one particular role. And he says, the presbyteros, the elders, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pastor, and I want you to oversee church. That's the role. That's your job description. He goes on. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing as God uh, God wants you to be not pursuing dishonest gain but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you but be an example to the flock and when the chief shepherd appears this is great you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade, fade away he mentioned this idea of a chief shepherd now the way it worked in uh in like shepherding back in in their day certainly but with shepherds is is uh when you got a large flock one that is larger than any one man or one person can manage than any one shepherd can shepherd you would have multiple shepherds you would have a, a chief shepherd who's uh, he's, the, he's the guy, he's in charge and then you have these under shepherds who are, I serve, like I, I manage the rest of the flock but I serve under you but you're the chief shepherd and here's what he says, he says to, to the elders of the church of all the churches, all the leadership ready all the, the elders slash pastors slash overseers, here's, here's what you have to realize there is a chief shepherd over you the authority doesn't end with you that you, you submit and serve to another shepherd a, a greater shepherd, a chief shepherd and this shepherd we know to be Jesus himself. And when he appears, man, you will experience his crown of glory. Man, this great reward. And he gives us three categories. Three categories of motivation for these elders, pastors, overseers. He says this, number 1, lead willingly, not out of obligation. Some lead in the church because it's their job. i part of my my world is is a little different than yours in, in with regard to church because uh, my uh, my involvement and experience with church is like like extensive and, and I I interact with other pastors and other churches and a lot of them and and uh, even uh, I think nearly every church in town like if there's a church you know I, I probably know their pastor and have had coffee with them and had prayer meetings and we've we've uh, we've you know planned like uh, all kinds of like city stuff and and so I know, I know a lot I know a lot of lead pastors and I know a lot of pastors in churches like in other states where I'm from and, and like just guys that we've connected with and they become pastors like so like my interaction with, with pastors is, is like much more so than, than you know maybe you're, you would have you, than you would like you're used to and here's, you know, I, I don't say that as like a, you know, a wonderful. I say that as a, let me speak as a guy who gets a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. Who gets to see, you know, the various church models and structures and kinds of leadership. And, and uh, I, can, I can honestly say this. Not all of them lead willingly. Some do it just for a job. It's just a job. It's just a paycheck and I'm doing what I like any other job this is what this is what i chose and this is what i'm doing and i don't know if i'll always do it but i'm doing it now and it's it's my job okay and what peter says here is don't listen if you're gonna if you want to be a healthy church you want to be a healthy church leader you do so out of a from a place of great love and concern not because you are compelled to not because it's just a job that this really is something you say I feel called to and I want to and, and, and this is like man I, I, I really I really do want what's best for God's people I, I know plenty I know plenty of pastors who make this joke and, and then some who are like no they, they're serious they, they, they love the church they love, they love the church if it, if it just weren't for all the people <laughs> like if you give me a church with no people wonderful healthiest church that i can ever have and then you had people and all of a sudden you had people and you have problems and all of a sudden it becomes headaches and i know plenty of guys who will even resign or retire because they just are like i it's just it's just too much work and it's too hard and it's just it's just like it's all problems and all struggles and all just putting out fires and they've lost this idea this motivation of leading willingly instead of out of obligation because you must and he says you want to be a healthy church leader You lead because you want to, because you feel like you can you can really help, and it's it is a desire to do so. The second one he says is to lead by serving, not to pursue money. This uh, this is one of the main pitfalls in in church and church leaders. In fact, you probably know of guys or of, we certainly hear about these in the news where, where a church leader will, um, will have a failure of some kind and, and what do you know? It's centered around one of the issues, it's centered around money. That, that church can become a money grab. Leaders who get caught, I've never, never ceases to amaze me, but it, it, it always continues to happen. Leaders, pastors who get caught embezzling money what? Or, or or this is usually what happens uh once once some failure comes to light then they start revealing all kinds of information including including salaries and and uh, again i don't expect this to be part of your world but part of like what like what we're what we do is knowing like even just being aware of like what is happening with churches and 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 even large like well-known churches and when a pastor falls, like we're one of the first to hear about it, and like kind of like, oh man, what like, how do I, how do I make sure that doesn't happen, in in our areas? And what, and, like what I've seen even in some of these high profile ones, is like, the pursuit of money is the thing that gets them, even in the salaries, like it's it's never it's it's still it's still shocking to me when i hear about some of these you know well-known guys that we just like yeah great wonderful pastors and yeah and maybe they are and then you hear that they they have issues in the past and and are removed and they step down and and then you all this comes to light and you realize man they're taking like i heard one guy taking his salary quarter of a million dollars a year that's that's two hundred and fifty thousand in case you you know in case you need help $250,000 $250,000 a year and we're not talking about six figures like you know there, I know plenty of guys who make six figures and, and as well they should be but six figures is not you know it's, it's all relative right six figures in Montana is way different than six figures in San Francisco so you can't just say like six figures right I mean it's different but, but I, I know another guy I saw I mean, he was getting a half a million dollars listen I don't care where you live your cost of living is not half a million dollars a year And it comes to light and then and then and then you hear i I hear about pastors suing their churches for millions of dollars in these fights and i'm going oh man guys that i have their book on my shelf and i've read it and i'm like oh man this is great stuff and then you see like what happened this was it don't don't he says listen don't pursue dishonest gain but instead be eager to serve this is you don't get in a ministry to say like all right you know Like, there's a lot of, like, coming out of college, you know, I want a good, well-paying job. All right, let me list out the top five. Ministry's never on that list. It's never on the top five of, I just want to, you know, I want to become, I want to do really well. No, you lead by serving, he says, not by pursuing dishonor, not the pursuit of money. And then the third one, he says, lead by example, not with arrogance. This is another big one. And again, I'll, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. There are, there are plenty of people in leadership in churches that are very arrogant and prideful and lead from that. What's unfortunate is that there's a lot of churches just put up with it. It's just easier to, to not deal with it, not address it, than to deal with it. An arrogant leader is one who sees themselves as superior to the rest of the church. And they'll, they'll, they'll even understand like, listen, I'm the authority here and what I say goes, right? My way or the highway. I, I served under, um, under a pastor and in, um, in one of the things that, that he was known for saying that, that like for me was like such a struggle and even other board members, um, he, 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 uh, he said this, I'm the best preacher this church can afford. So if, if you want me gone, you're gonna suffer and if you don't like how i do things go find another church oh now you don't say you, you won't hear that from the stage but in the board meetings privately you hear that that is a sign you should go what 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 was that that is this that is very much this I, lording it over those entrusted to you don't lord it over them instead be an example Leaders, good leaders, healthy leaders, don't just tell you what to do. They show and tell. <laughs> they, here's what we should be doing. And you know what? I'm going to do my best to follow it too. Like, I'm in this with you. We're all going together. We're all moving in the same direction. Peter tells us that healthy, healthy church leader leads come from conviction and willingly and ser- with, as a servant and by example. Now, after addressing church leadership... He's going to move on to the church. And church leadership, listen, again, no, there's no such thing as a perfect church or perfect church leadership. And this doesn't also mean, this is where we can get in trouble, it also doesn't mean that, oh, well, I guess whatever the, whatever the leadership says, whatever the pastor says I have to do. And there's free reign, sort of. And I know churches like this, that the pastor literally has free reign to do whatever he wants. That also is poor and unhealthy leadership. Good leadership has accountability. I have, I, listen, let me just, I'll be honest with you. Here's how it works for us. At our church, we have a board, a group. We, it's, a, it's a terrible name that we need to change. The Pastor parish Relations Committee. You want to serve on that, right? Like the Pastor Relations. like we, did, we don't even say the word. We're like, uh, the, you know, Pastor parish. we're like PPRC. And it's like, can we change this thing? Can we, can we just make it easier? But there, there's a group, there's a group over me that I'm accountable to. And I have a superintendent over me that I'm accountable to. And that's how it works. And, and church, good, healthy church leadership has checks and balances. And, and, and unhealthy church leadership is left unchecked. Go do what you want. So he moves on from healthy church leaders and her, what healthy church leadership looks like. And now he talks about a healthy church body. And, and here's what he says. A healthy church body practices Humility. Humility is certainly not a trait that is um, on display or celebrated in society today. If you watch award shows, or right, I don't know if you know this, there was an award show just a few weeks ago in which there's an incident, and now it's like everywhere. Did you, you, you did, did you hear about it? Right? Did you wake you to, did it slap you in the face? Oh, that's a bad joke. <laughs> and here's here's the deal: if you watch any of these kinds of award shows, no one, no one gets up there and is like, "Man, I'm so humble." You guys, I am just, I, I above all else in life, I just want to pursue humility. I want to help people. I want to, uh, you know, it's not about, it's not about, I know this is an award and it's a wonderful award and I deserve it, but it's not about me. Oh. What we see on display in the world is, is, hey, here's why I'm great and wonderful and why I should be adored. What, What we don't see celebrated is humility. Yet we know, and mature people know, humility is a byproduct of good character. And here's what you know. I know, I know you know this because you are good, respectable, mature people. You really do know this. When you meet someone who is humble, you are drawn to them. And when you, like, the kind of person you want to be is like them. And when you even say, like, man, you're just so humble and you just want to serve and love people, even their response is, no, 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 it's not about me. I just, I, you're, I just, I want to help people. I wouldn't say I'm humble at all. And you're like, man, you're so humble. You can't even, like, you don't even, wow i want my kids to grow up to be like you i want, when i grow up i want to be like you we're drawn to people that are humble here's what peter says in the same way you who are younger now this is a the specific word he uses you who are younger submit yourselves to your elders the presbyteros and then he switches and says but now all of you clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Whether you're a presbyteros or whether you're not, you're part of the younger or part of the church, whoever, any part, any member of the church, here's your role. Clothe yourself with humility. Because, he says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, this younger here is contrasted with the word elder i mean literally instead of presbyteros he uses neoteros, neoteros, and and it and it it's it doesn't quite mean like young people or young young men or young women there's a different greek word that he would have used and so there's even debate amongst amongst um, um, commentators and theologians to to like what is he actually talking about and it's it's i mean it's, it's almost cut down like 50 50. And some will say that he's not using this word younger as like, well, only for younger people, but it's, it's, it's in contrast to the presbyteros, the elders. And it's like, so it's the elders and then it's the non-elders some like i don't like this language but people will be like oh well we have our we have the the staff or the board or the elders and then we have the lay leadership or the church or the lay church and We're like okay I, I, I think the terminology is super weird and confusing but some have that in mind here and say oh he's talking about those who aren't the presbyteros the elders the the leadership and then others say no no that the, there really is there really is um a, a flavor here in which he's talking about younger and maybe he's talking about younger in age or younger in faith, but there is a sense in which, hey, this, he really is talking about, um, about younger versus older. Now, here's where I land. I don't know. I've read it all and I've studied it. I'm looking at it. And I'm, I lean towards my experience and my understanding, even of this and like the, the plain reading, leans towards, he's talking about younger people or younger believers in the faith, um, because they maybe, and it would make sense that they probably are more prone to rebel and not submit. I've I've known I've known plenty of um, of um, believers who are older, been around for years, and had experienced decades in the church, and and have served in places, and and their response to leadership is always, "All right, I want to submit to leadership." Oh, always? Well, yeah, always. And if I get to a point where I can't, it's my job to leave. Wow, really? Yeah. That's how important the unity and health of the church is, that if I'm the problem, I leave. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing that going, that is mature and, and counterintuitive and not what you would think. Now, if you're younger, you want to fight. There's a problem? Oh, don't, don't worry. I'll take it on. I got this. And it becomes, I, I, I was even young in faith, I'm like, oh man, every time someone was wrong, I made sure they knew it right and when they were done they loved me for it I know every time I trust I'm sure they did they loved me for it and, and you have this sort of like this, this, uh, this tendency to, to, to want to not submit or, or uh, I can't do that and so it seems that what Peter is saying is listen if that's you listen here's I'm, you specifically you have to understand what it means to submit to the elders the leadership to those who are older and wiser and more experienced and then he says to all of you now which again tends me to be the lead that he's thinking to just younger, and then he switches to now everyone. Everyone, you should be humble. Clothe yourself in humility. Pride, pride has no place in leadership or in God's church. So humble yourself, and then he says, cast your cares on Him. This is a struggle. This might not be easy. So if you if you if you are have have anxiety and worry, here's what you do. Ready? You give it to Him because He cares for you. You, humble yourself and understand what humility looks like. Leadership, not leadership, whether this is your first week or you've been here 20 years, all of us, myself included, we clothe ourselves in humility. A healthy church body practices humility. And then he's going to mention the last thing. One more thing. A healthy church stands firm in the faith. Humility does not mean weakness. Now, listen, often we can assume or, 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 uh, or correlate the two, but by no means should you think humble means weak. We would say this, Jesus was extremely humble. He had every reason not to be. Would any of us say Jesus was weak? Jesus was a weak leader, a weak man. Oh, gosh, no. In fact, you, if there is anyone in Scripture you did not want to try to trap or confront, it's jesus you could count on him responding with truth and love and a and a firm a, a firm foundation on what is right peter tells the church to be courageous and he's going to tell them to resist the devil and stand firm here's what he says now again all of us now be alert and have sober mind like have be aware and understanding of your situation and what's going on around you Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking, searching for someone to devour. And here's what you do. Here's our our only command when facing the enemy. He says this, resist him. Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. James, we're going to see, tells us a similar thing. He gives us the same marching orders. It's not to, to fight back. It's not to pursue or to, to think, how can I, how can I go onto the enemy territory and take stuff in like this, this cosmic battle? What we're told is to resist. Here's what James says. Chapter 4, he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. We resist the devil and his attacks. We resist any sort of spiritual attack on us. And then what we do is we draw near to God. We resist what's attacking from the outside, and then we say, God, I need to draw closer to you. That is our battle plan. That's what we're told to do. And he says to the church, listen, you're suffering, and and there's believers throughout the, the entire world are experiencing similar kinds of suffering, so you, you resist the devil who's looking to devour you. This, this is what, one of the things that makes the church different than other organizations. We, we have a, a spiritual outside force who wishes harm on us. It's not the same if you go to pick any business, your favorite business, mine, Costco, $1.50 hot dogs. Love it. <laughs> when I show up there, I, I can't expect like there's some, some great cosmic spiritual attack on Costco, though, you know, when they close early and I'm not able to get there it is the devil's work and I'm how what do you you mean you're out of pizza what in reality this organization the church Jesus's bride really does have an actual spiritual enemy seeking to destroy it to destroy you to devour you and what we're told is to resist and stand firm a healthy church stands firm in the faith. And then Peter ends his letter, and he ends with his final greetings. And, and these, are, these are great. It gives us insight into the kind of person Peter was. He says, with the help of Silas, Silas was also um, uh, a guy who accompanied Paul. In fact, when Paul was in prison and the angels, if you know the story in Acts, angels come and, and, and literally like uh, uh, the prison break him out. It's Paul and Silas. Silas is with him. Silas is also Apparently with Peter. This guy Silas is a big deal. He says this, With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly. This isn't even a long letter, just briefly. Encouraging you and testifying that, that, it is, that, 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 it, that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. And then he says this, and commentators, some disagree, but mostly, most agree on what this is. He says, She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends her greetings. Babylon, is, nearly every commentator agrees, oh, this is his reference to Rome, and that they're in just like the Jews were in exile in Babylon, so we are in exile in Rome. And the she is referring to the church, the church of Rome. And he's writing from Rome, and he says, hey, listen, the church here, you know, I'm writing in code, but she who is here, she who is in Babylon, together with you, chosen with, alongside with you, sends her greetings, and so does, this is great, and so does my son Mark. It's not his literal son, but his son in the faith. And this is probably John Mark, the same guy who wrote the book of Mark. In fact, he probably got all of his information, all that he wrote down in the, in the gospel of Mark, he got it from Peter. And he, they were best buds and traveling companions. And he says, hey, listen, he's with me too. And he sends his greetings. And then he says this, greet one another with a kiss of love. Oh, Pete. Okay. By the way, we're gonna practice that on our way out. So you're gonna find one person. Uh, that's a joke by the way I heard some laughter if you didn't laugh that was not taken seriously okay don't do that but he says greet each other with a kiss of love this is actually a thing like, they don't like kiss on the lips but they did the like um, uh, like the, uh, the Italian thing where you're like oh you kiss on the cheeks right? have you ever had that done to you it's, it's a little different right it's a little different we don't do that here right we so at New Hope we give um, we give the handshake of love right Right? The side hug of love. (laughs) They're like, like, you know, it's just like a a, a warm embrace. We want to greet you warmly because we love you. They did it with a kiss, and we do it like, hey, I'm so happy to see you. And he says, do that. Greet each other with a warm embrace. And then he says, peace. I want to end with peace. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Here's what we see as Peter ends his letter. Health is determined by action, not intention. And so, Whatever your role is, whatever, whatever it looks, we all have a part to play, and we all, we all contribute either to the health of this church or the unhealth. So how healthy is our leadership here at New Hope? Now, this may take you time to figure out, and you may, you may be still be deciding. The jury may be out. You may be, you know, looking at even after today, judging like, yeah, that's a good question, pastor. How healthy are you in the leadership? That's a great question. I want you to be able to to determine if this is healthy or not. But here's the flip side. How healthy are you? How humble are you? The most humblest. Okay. Probably not. And how firm are you in the faith, especially during trials, especially in times of suffering or persecution? This is how he ends his letter. Health is determined by action, by what you do, not by intention, not by what you want to do, what you wish you could do, what you hope you could do. It's by actually what you do. Would you do this? Would you stand with me as we pray and then worship the Lord together and sing in song here? Uh, and, and, and hopefully, I think you got these, right? I hope by next week you have a, you know invited someone to church. Um, so take these home, put in your pocket. Uh, I, again, next week is Easter, and and I want to see, I want to, to be able to share the gospel with as many people as possible. So even as we as a church focus on health and our mission, man, what a great opportunity. Next week, to invite people to, to hear the gospel, to carry out the mission. So would you do this? Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you and we thank you and we, we recognize and we understand how, how important health is and how, especially how important health is for the church, for your bride and I pray that for us at at, at this particular church uh, this this body of believers this, this family of faith that we would pursue health and all of us would pursue humility knowing that none of this is about us none of this is about us and what we want and our desire it is all about and for you remind us of that whatever our role is that we are in this to serve you We love you, Lord, and we worship you now. And I pray for all of us that we would continue to pursue a healthy church. We pray this in Jesus' name.